This icon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Hello and welcome to your weekly dose of political shenanigans with us here at the Sunday Times. This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly Podcast with me, Amil Amrao, and my colleagues here on the politics desk, Zangita Mvumvu, Kwanita Hunter, and Apiwe de Klerk. Thank you all for listening in. Remember to interact with us on hashtag STPoliticsWeekly on social media, where we always post new links to new editions of the podcast, or find us under the Opinions and Analysis section on the Times Live website. Now, with that, all protocol has been observed. Um, we've got a great show in store this week. We'll be talking about the report from the Commission of Inquiry into, into Interference at the SABC, as well as the unraveling of President Sol Ramaphosa's new dawn. So, guys, let's get straight into it. Let's start off with SABC then. Um, so, if you guys haven't heard, the Commission of Inquiry into Interference at the South African Broadcasting Corporation has found that the national broadcaster suffered from, and I'm going to quote here, the capricious use of authority and power to terrorize staff. That's a massive claim, guys, and that's quite daunting as well. Now, the commission was set up in May last year, and it released its report into the um, at the SABC offices earlier this week. And it found that the organization was, and I quote here again, crippled by pain, anger, and fear. Um, and let me quote the commission's findings here. It says that the commission finds that the SABC suffered from the capricious use of authority and power to terrorize staff and deflect the corporation from its mandate and its editorial policies. Now, they weren't able to make a direct link um, between the SABC newsroom and the ANC, but it did say that the ANC hovered over the newsroom. Um, directly from 2017 to 20, from 2012 to 2017, rather, SABC executives, the commission found, took instructions from people with no authority in the newsroom. Um, and this report specifically cited SABC board member Ellen Chabalala and former communications minister Faith Mutambi. And Faith is interesting because I remember back in 2016 at the SABC inquiry in Parliament, she denied that she interfered in editorial decision making at the public broadcaster. So, guys, it's it's quite a scary situation at the SABC at the moment. Let's talk a little bit about the dynamic here when you have political interferences in a news organization, and what does it mean for the country and the public at large? I mean, the the allegations of 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 what you just said, Emil, is not new to the SABC. Mm. But it was interesting how they painted this picture of of this intimidation, this fear, and the and its links with politics. And the one part of it you also can't ignore is the actual financial dysfunction that the SABC is in, because effectively incompetent and politically connected people, i.e., Claudio Mutsenang and his crew, were appointed to the SABC, and they then ran two parallel processes. One to to break down all corporate governance issues, which is now widely known because of the dire financial state the SABC is in, but also to reign with so much of fear 
and so much of intimidation so that you have absolute control over the CBC. So if anyone wants to point fingers at your incapacity, your inefficiency, or your looting, mm. they can't do that because the atmosphere of fear um, uh, is so entrenched. And on the other hand, you have to then appease your political bosses because you won't be there without mm. them. Um, and so that's why if Fate Mutambi says fire a Limpopo journalist, you fire a Limpopo mm. journalist. Now, Apiwe, the DA is launching criminal proceedings against Faith Mutambi for allegedly lying to Parliament um, when she denied any inter- in editorial interference in the SABC. What do you make of that? Is the DA just being the DA here or do they actually have a strong case? There is a case to be made. Um, mm. When you appear in front of Parliament and uh, are then proven uh, to have uh, lied uh, on under oath, mm. basically, uh, it's it's a criminal offense. Uh, but also, there is an element of uh, them being an opposition party. Of course, uh, a, any clever opposition uh, party should, uh, at all times, uh, when such opportunities mm. uh, present themselves, you know, act. Um, it's just that the DA um, in that. A portfolio committee of communications has been a very strong voice. Of course, it does. Um, you, you will remember how, uh, how 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 they treated the issue of the SAPC prior to uh, uh, Nazrek, uh, and, and you know when Faith was there, uh, how. Um, how you remember how that board eventually was dealt with, mm. uh, and, and and all of it. so they've been involved. Um, Glozy was involved from the EFF yeah, as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know why they, they didn't jump on the chance uh, mm. as soon as they got it. But um, this, rep- this report, uh, it's interesting that they point uh, at, at, uh, at the former minister because, you know, since when I, I was aware of uh, how the politics of uh, the SAPC, and what, it's always been that the ANC uh, interferes, but mm. you've never really had uh, uh, documentation or, or a report mm. that has a standing that would say so-and-so did this year, so-and-so did this, this there. Now that when they pointed the minister, I think, you know, they've, they've, they've got a, a good case. Mm. So Gisa, how dangerous is this when you have a political party that has been found to be hovering over, as a report says, an SABC newsroom. And this is not just any newsroom, it's the public broadcaster. This is where a lot of people in the country receive their news from. Mm. Look, first of all, I mean, in my opinion, this is nothing new, uh, Mm. what is happening at the SABC. And I think uh, part of the problem starts with how we we refer to the SABC sometimes as a state broadcaster. Mm. SABC is not a state broadcaster. It is a public broadcaster mm. because the state, who has got state power in South Africa since 1994, it is the ANC. So by actually referring to it as a state broadcaster, mm. you give the ANC the legitimacy to say that we control mm. this uh, particular institution. I guess that that's where the problem starts. Uh, and, and really, it's... it's the ANC has been having its hand in the cookie jar, that is the SABC, since, uh, you know, since forever, mm. as far as I can remember. Uh, it's interesting now that we actually have a, a report that uh, goes deep into the issues, uh, the underlying issues into uh, that uh, interference. I, I just don't know how we are going to move forward. It is dangerous because the SABC, as a public broadcaster, has got a mandate to educate, inform, 
and uh, to entertain, not to disinform or push a, mm. a particular propaganda of a political party. Even within the ANC, it never pushes the propaganda of the ANC as a party. It pushes off the hegemonic mm. faction at that particular time. That's the danger about uh, the whole thing of editorial interference. It's said uh, that the likes of Mr. Claude Mutsune, who was uh, ruling with an iron fist, uh, I mean, I was watching him on TV last mm. night. The guy says nothing wrong. I mean, he says the report <laughs> is rubbish. Mm. He doesn't know all those things that they're talking about, but he was there for five years, and we know that indeed mm. that's how he ruled. I mean, he had mm. a whole defense force and press conferences. He would have employees at the SABC, yeah. not toy doing on his behalf, which showed how much hold, uh, you know, and the grip he had on the SABC. I'm just worried. I don't think there's anything that's going to be fixed going forward. As I say, that has been the culture of the ANC since 1994. I don't see it changing because of this report. Especially, I don't know the legal standing of this report, if indeed there will be any consequences, but if history is anything to go by in South Africa, reports like this, they just become topical and then nothing mm, happens. Mm. You know, even this case that the DA opened against Faith Mutamp, I, I really want to see where it's going to end, but mm. I can promise you it's not going to end anywhere. And if there are no consequences, what will stop these incidents from mm. happening mm. going forward? I think that... You know, the the political change in the ANC or whatever you may call it, um made it made um the SABC a little bit more emboldened or the people appointed to the SABC a lot a little bit more emboldened to be, you know, for the people, to be to make bold choices, etc. etc. Right? But there's always going to be criticism of the SABC because it's such a huge institution uh, with such a, a, a genomous public service mm. mandate. Um, but the reality of it is that we all thought that removing Cloudy would solve the problem. Mm. Cloudy has left, and yet the legacy of Cloudy long lives. And mm. this report really, I think, is such a, is, is a step in the right direction because it's it it basically gives a benchmark of how bad things mm. are or how bad things had become um and 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 how how much is needed to fix the institution um and then like i was saying the dual challenges of like the the the, the, his, the so you had a you had you know if you look at the public protectors report on cloudy in the SAPC you know she she called it something what did she call it misgovernance or something something like basically a state of of there was there was a lack of 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 corporate governance mm. at the SABC, so that was the, on the corporate side. Mm. Then you had the editorial structure that com- now this report says it was completely decimated, and then financially in Parliament we know that they have no. So I mean, one has to you know have a a, a bigger, more mature conversation about the state of the of the public broadcaster and say, okay, is it commercially viable, financially viable? If it's not, if it's not living up to its public service mandate at least it must be self sustainable mm. you know one of mm. the two mm-hmm. um and so 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 i think that it's just a one example mm. of the many 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 incidences of how state institutions or, or public institutions mm. let me not use the word state you right uh, uh, zingisa that um 
have been used, you know, in the Zuma era, how it was decimated, mm. not only for financial gain, but for amassing political mm. power. Cloudy was no one without the mm. SABC. Let me put this question to you guys. Let's use the SABC here as a case study and Faith Mutombi's alleged interference in its decision making in the newsroom. And I, what brings back, what comes first to my mind is when Jacob Zuma appeared before the Zondor Commission of Inquiry of the State Capture, and, he's, and he was asked questions about CADA deployment. And basically, he sees there's the ANC has this this, this sort of um, judging by Zuma's reaction that they find nothing wrong with this. You know, where you deploy your cadres, or basically when you deploy your ministers there to various state departments or to public institutions, and basically you you send them there. And his response was to make sure that the ANC policies are carried out. Now, is this a symptom of that? Because now you have certain ministers, like in, uh, an example here, Faith Mutambi making sure that the SABC by all means carries out um, various factions, uh, well, her faction, or maybe it's not policy, but carrying out certain factional ideas, factional ideology, punting one faction over the other. Is this a sort of interference that we should be seeing? And is, is this a symptom of the cater deployment policies from the ANC? Apiwe. Okay, look, um, let, let, let's... The ANC can, and, and I, I assume other parties, uh, when they take government, would uh, put in their own people. Mm. But the problem with them, it's when you put someone who there who's clueless about what mm. the mandate of uh, that institution is. You can't treat the SABC like a state-owned enterprise. Of course. Uh, therein lies the problem with how... The ANC uh, political uh, principles who have been uh, that communications uh, department mm. is that they they treat SABC as you would ESCOM, mm. um, even though it would be wrong with ESCOM. But SABC it's is the primary source of news for the majority mm. of South Africans. Now, when you when you do such things, you you, you are killing it. You are killing it off and. Uh, you know, there are people who, who still li uh, listen to radios in, back in mm. rural areas and they have SABC 1, 2, 3 mm. to, to watch the 7 uh, p.m. News, 7 p.m. news, morning live and, and, and all of that. So now when you have Faith Mutambi directing people to be, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it does a disservice to them mm. and they are expected to pay TV licenses. Uh, mm. you know. so, so how do you draw the line then between... Um, pushing the party's mandate and policies and actually interfering in a department or something like the SABC? Mm. Look, maybe I'm able to, 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 to combine that with your uh, first question on cadre mm. deployment. There's nothing wrong with cadre deployment, né? but there's everything wrong with the ANC cadre deployment. Why <laughs> am I saying that? Yeah. The ANC cadre deployment is... Uh, mostly premised on people who, first of all, are not qualified. Second of all, they have no idea what they're doing. But the, the, the reason for that is that their political principles want people who will be able mm. to carry out whatever mm. instructions that they're given from a political level. Of if, Of course, if you put someone who is qualified, let's say for argument's sake, a lawyer, to be a CEO of the SABC, that's not someone you can just bully around and boss around because they will tell you sometimes that your instruction is illegal mm. because I know how, what is supposed to be my job. But if you just find a guy who's just excited to get the position, 
they will obviously implement all your instructions, even if they are legal or illegal. That's where I say the ANC cadre deployment it goes wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing. If you control state power, you've got to have, have uh, you know, people who believe in what you believe in carrying out that mandate. But it should be people who are capable, who are qualified. And that is what I think has gone wrong mostly at the SABC in that, especially in this particular era of uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. in that he was, in fact, I, I would say he felt so much that he was done a favor to be given that position. Uh, he admits now publicly that he doesn't even have metric. Mm. How can you put someone like that to be in charge of a multi-billion organization like the mm. SABC? It, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, and, and just to maybe emphasize this, I remember in 2013, I, I went there with the guest, how he worshipped the ANC. Mm. I was there, I was supposed to interview him. Sometime in 2013, I went to his office. At the, on the day, there was a press conference that was going on at to the house. The guy made me wait because he said, I want to listen to leadership. Mm. You know, that's how much this guy <laughs> thought he was a politician himself. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you said we must meet this. I'm like, no, you can wait. I need to watch leadership. Well, now he is a politician. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I think that that's just... You know, the, the problems with, with this cadre deployment issue and how it collapses state institutions. And you know, the, the, the worrying thing is that this type of, I don't know, negativity or I don't know how you, or this, this poison that, that comes out of situations like the cloudy situation long last in these organizations. <clears throat> that even if you now put competent people at the SABC or you put competent people in other institutions, it's so far broken mm. that they they won't survive and 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 the reality of it is um he, he, I, I was having a debate with someone earlier today about this whole fight back concept you know the anc political mm. but it's, it's a very simple thing it's you say i mean you had unfettered powers in the sunday times mm. and someone comes and removes those unfettered powers and you did illegal things because of your unfettered powers and there's a chance that you can be caught for it. You will fight back. Mm. Simple. That's a simple exactly. thing. So I think what's also what, what what you also see at the SABC is that even though there's an attempt to t- turn things around to professionalize it, um, you know, Tishambuani is giving them money with a whole list of conditions. Mm. There's an attempt to to reintroduce corporate governance, um, good corporate governance into the SABC. The reality of it, this poison of what uh, Zingesa was talking about, as a result of, of whether it was case deployment or inefficiency of Cloudy or this you know, thinking he was a politician, has long perverted mm. the, the institution. And so the consequence of it will be felt for many, many, many more years than those five years mm. or so he was at the helm. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about a new story that emerged this weekend regarding President Cyril Ramaphosa. Join us when we're back. <laughs> Racial identity politics, a phrase that has the potential to start an argument in just about any situation. That's why we're starting it first. Let's Start an Argument is a unique and insightful podcast series about the meaning of race to us today. Presented by researcher Cecilia Koch and Doctor of Philosophy Jason Werbeloff, the series aims to spark rational argument and meaningful discussion around this controversial topic. Find Let's Start an Argument now on the Cliff Central app, cliffcentral.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. Let's get back straight into it with the story of our of the week. News 24 reported on leaked emails from the heart of President Cyril Ramaphosa's successful 2017 ANC presidential campaign. Um, and those emails reveal the name of some of his potential donors and undermine, they say, News 24 says, the defense that Ramaphosa was kept at arm's length of his funders. Now, basically, in News 24's report, they speak about a few issues. Firstly, they show that Public Enterprise Minister Praveen Gordon was central in raising funds for Ramaphosa's campaign. It also shows that the president was consulted by managers of his campaign about plans to approach several donors. This includes um, one of those submissions from a Greek, a Greek shipping tycoon who was allegedly involved in the arms deal and another person called Paul Ekon, who is a millionaire miner with close ties to former ANC party leaders. Guys... This Ramaphosa funding story has been going on for months and months and months, um, mostly because, as we know, his battles with the public protector, Busisewe Mkobane, um, which is now in court, and with other things that keep emerging all the time. But the thing is, we've got to talk about here is that where does this leave Ramaphosa? Uh, because if why it's so important is that President Sol Ramaphosa in his 2017 campaign campaigned on accountability, on transparency, on good governance. And that was what was what set him apart from his competitors. So now we have this whole notion I'm unraveling. Apiwe, what does this mean for Ramaphosa? Because campaigning on a ticket like that, you you would expect that the that the president would be totally transparent. Or should should we be holding him to that regard because of that, or should we just treat him like any other person because it's not essential or compulsory for him to disclose his funding? You see, the whole. Uh campaign of CR17 mm. the way he spoke about it in public it was different from other campaigns of mm. internal uh, positions mm. in the ANC in that no one really says they are campaigning of course so with him because he took us there mm. and during that so now campaign, he must tell us yeah I mean <laughs> I would like mm. to know uh, uh, you, you know he must come to, to the public and mm. explain I mean his people have been saying that uh, 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 they were going to have a press conference sometime. Yeah. On and then Tuesday, they cancelled it. And then they cancelled mm. it. I wonder why. I, I really uh, they were handled at Lutuli House, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Someone handled them from up top. Look, the guy is not obliged to mm. disclose who funded his campaign. But, I mean, because this is how he approached us. Mm. As the nation to say this so, is the so, kind of a person so I because am. he approached us on the accountability and transparency ticket so now he must be obliged to own up to what he promised us is that what you're saying so it sets him apart from everyone else yes otherwise it's just uh, like any other politician just, just politicking yeah. also no one no one told him to say that he was not involved in the campaign yeah that was him yeah he volunteered that information <laughs> so if mm. you i mean there, there was not I mean, really, that was an unprovoked kind of undertaking to say, no, I had nothing to do with this campaign. If he said I was part of the campaign, but I didn't know about Posasa, I mean, people would have bought it, people would have not bought it. But you unprovoked said that. And now there's evidence to the contrary. But I want to talk a little bit about the actual emails. Yeah. These emails surfaced the same day the public protector released her report, right? Mm. Now, having... Having reported on emails before in, in the in the form of the Gupta leaks or whatever, it's difficult to take something from social media and report on it, right? I think News24 did a good job in the fact that they just said, we've authenticated it, mm. but we don't know how these, that, the, the, the legality of it. Mm. But there's an interesting part in the, in the public protector's report 
where she says she has evidence mm. that Ramaphosa knew about the donations. But there's no way in the report that she includes, includes it. it yeah. She then has an interview with Karen Moore, our colleague, but she was doing the interview in her capacity as Newsroom Africa. And she then repeats this and says, I have evidence that the president knew about it, mm. right? So the president now takes the matter on review. And, 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 and in his, in his um, papers, he cites um, that interview that the public protector did and said, what were you referring to? What evidence, because you know the public protector has to disclose what, um, you know, what evidence you considered in making these type of findings. Um, and, and so, and so the court case, so, so, so that's going to be an issue of the mm. court case. So now the defense of the presidency is, you know, where was this, you know, it's dodgy how these emails were obtained. How did the head of state? Now, from a journalist's point of view, that is inconsequential to mm. me. There's, there's emails in the public domain. It's been authenticated and therefore it can be reported on. But for me, it's then worrying if the public protector relied on these emails, mm. makes a finding based on these emails, but does not include these emails because she knows that it won't, um, it won't, uh, what is the word? It won't withstand scrutiny, uh, when it's been taken on review. So that's a separate matter. That's why I always said in this whole debacle of the president and the public protector, I said two things. This is legally, it's a straightforward math, ma- matter. You will win that case. On, I'm not putting my neck out, but yeah. it seemed as if he may win the case on, on a legal issue mm. alone. But politically, this is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this quickly. At the broader topic here about transparency and political funding, right? The thing is, we ought to know who's funding our political policy. And this is where the political, um, uh, the party funding bill comes in, right? But let's look at the ANC alone. Because now you're looking at presidential candidates, not parties as a whole. Should we know who's who's um, funding our presidential candidates coming from the ANC, for example, like in 2017? And why is it important that we should know or should not know? Look, first of all, I mean, let me quote my favorite comedian, George Carlin, yeah. on honesty <laughs> and politicians. <laughs> if honesty and accountability were to introduce be introduced into politics, the whole system will collapse. Therefore, I'm not yeah. surprised by this ducking and diving, mm. uh, you know, uh, refusal to come up, you know, saying things that backfire and all those things. Mm. It, it's, it's, it's just the nature of politics. It's important that we know uh, who funds our politicians. You see, the reality is that uh, throughout the history of politics, politicians have always been funded. Mm. And the funder always has got motives. Uh, the, 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 the question would be, does the person who's being funded know about the, the intentions of the fund? Sometimes they do. And will that person <coughs> act on those motives afterwards? Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know, uh, it's important for us. It's, it's better when we know who funded you and then, uh, we can devise in how, for instance, there's nothing wrong with being funded if it were, you know, out and out, uh, a, a, an honest uh, process because we would know, if we know that, say, a, a declared uh, foundation funded you mm-hmm. and then three years down the line, declared foundation gets a tender uh, worth a mm-hmm. billion, then I can easily make the connection with, mm-hmm. oh, this is why this is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if 
the Clerk Foundation funded you. We're and, talking about up here with the yeah, Clerk no, Foundation no, not here. Not FWD. Not FWD. This So you know, so so we would know, and it would make if if the the, the process was transparent, it would make it completely impossible for uh, the administration that was funded by those particular companies to do anything dodgy. But if it's done in secret, that we don't know. For instance, now we don't know uh, in in full detail what are the companies uh, that uh, funded uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa's bid for the ANC mm-hmm. presidents. We don't know that some of them actually have gotten state tenders since uh, 2018 up mm-hmm. to now. And if we happen to know, then I will be very worried uh, about my president that people who funded him suddenly uh, they are having dominance in state tenders. I'm just making an example. I'm not saying that is the case. Of course, we don't know the full extent of the truth here because the president, again, refuses to come mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. One thing I liked about the advice that the FF has long given him is that come out voluntarily and reveal the whole truth. No, you've no. got you've got nothing to lose. <laughs> but the president just keeps on ducking, just keeps on saying things that he doesn't have to say, that he's not even compelled to say. And he's digging himself into this huge hole. And as Kwanita is saying, politically for him, I doubt there will be a comeback from this. I agree with 100% what you said, but <laughs> <laughs> the EFF cannot pontificate on this matter, nor can the DA, no, nor can the Freedom Front yeah. Plus, no political party or politician in South Africa can pontificate on this matter because they must all reveal what we can. They are all funded. We can scrutinize all of them. Yeah. We can scrutinize all of them. We can look into Ramaphosa and demand that, and we should, and he should, um, uh, reveal his list. What is it? One hundred and seventy-nine. What was the amount of donors? One hundred and seventy-nine or something. It's a lot of donors. A lot of money. <laughs> no, there's a lot of money. And the reality, expensive to the reality, the <laughs> yeah. reality of it is, the reality of it is that politic po- po- politicians. I mean, this is what I can't understand about South Africa. We have such short-term memories. The RET faction that's that's now jumping on this again. I'm not uh, by no means. I wish, ugh, God, South Africa, you can't you can't make a point without <laughs> now be, being called a cabalist. But mm. let me make my point. The people who are holding Ramaphosa accountable mm. for not disclosing, I'm talking within the ANC, mm. the whole RET gang, forgetting that they fronted Mzwanele Manye to go to parliament to say the whole, the whole uh, political party funding um, mm. bill, and now is an act, um, will bankrupt the ANC. Mm. They were the same people that opposed it. So we really, really, really need to have a broader discussion about party political funding. The Chief Justice has repeated this. I don't agree with the Chief Justice model in saying the state must fund people's political ambitions. That's rubbish. rubbish. Mm. You can't. We have no more money to Mm. give. But the reality of the situation is that in this particular instance, the Busasa report, you take it on merit, you take it on law, and that's a legal issue. Mm. Politically, like you said, Ramaphosa campaigned that he was the better man. He was the more accountable man. He was a mm. man with integrity. And he's proving himself wrong. Mm. Third set. Because there's no politician like that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. High five. <laughs> and, and, and the reality of it, the third point is that the people in the ANC who are using this to attack him were the same people who said if there's a law to fund, not even individual party ambitions, mm. just political party ambition, uh, funding, um, it will, it will 
They opposed it. And so politicians are all <laughs> hypocrites. So <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Uh, uh, on the politi- political party funding, um, you see South Africa, uh, we are in a very tricky situation in that. Um, you see there are quite a number of people from the opposition part- hmm. parties who were opposed to uh, uh, the, the revelation of their donors. Hmm. Because primarily they say, if it's known who funds so and so and so and so and so and so, the, those in charge are going to deny them access to business. So if it's known who funds uh, the EFF, if it's known who funds the Freedom Front Plus, uh, here in Gauteng, if that person is doing business here in Gauteng, the political opponents are going to frustrate them. Yeah. So it, it, it's very tricky. Um, maybe I should agree with the Chief Justice <laughs> to say there must be some sort of uh, uh, funding model that is going to be transparent but also protect the smaller or the opposition parties uh, so that you know they too have access uh, 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 to finances because i mean politics is expensive you have to find but they them. do have access to to finances and so does the ruling party the reality of the situation is that no amount of money that the state will give political parties or politicians will stop them from doing things underhandedly. But here's the thing. So how then do we go forward? Because as Apiwe said, um, there might be discrimination if people know who your funders are as, a, as an opposition party. But at the same time, um, we you need the level of transparency because you need to stop what essentially is basically capture, is it not? Um, or pushing your agenda as a funder. So then where do you go and how do you sort it out? How do you fix this problem? Because on the one hand, there's, 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 you need money to campaign as a political party or as an individual, as an individual within your party. So, and campaigning is a, it's a, it's a global phenomenon. So it's nothing new. It's nothing different. So how do we make it so that it doesn't affect the public? That's the biggest question. Can I just jump in on yeah. one second? Mm. You do know that the public, uh, the this political party funding uh, act, doesn't solve the Ramaphosa problem. No, of course it doesn't. That's already yes. it's a loophole. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, uh, where do you? No, should should sh- sh- should it? Um, you see that when you, if you you apply that law, I mean, uh, on internal party uh, contests, how 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 would it apply? I mean, because for political parties, the reason why. We want to know uh, who funds them. It's because we vote for them. We don't vote for individuals. Mm. So now, when you create a law to say individuals within their own parties mm. when they contest, then it, it must. Some people contest uh, internal uh, uh, polls exactly. and never go to government mm. to start with. Uh, like for instance, ACES is, is, is in is in uh, in Lutuli House. So. Uh, and he, he may have used money. He may have used money. So yeah. now uh, we can then, as um, a citizen says, that he must be compelled mm. to, because, I mean, he's not being paid by us. He's being paid by mm. his party. So basically we're all in a mess and we don't know how to solve the situation. So let's all weep, <laughs> get a stiff drink. <laughs> Look, uh, it's, it's a tough situation, mm. but I unfortunately I have to disagree with you on uh, the Chief Justice one. I agree with him. We may not agree with the detail, but I agree with him on the point that, uh, first of all, uh, private business shouldn't have anything to do with funding our politicians. As long as that exists, I believe even if there's transparency, we will always be dribbled. Mm. 
you know, because private uh, sector, really, there is no free lunch, as the Chief Justice put it. Mm. There is no way any business person would fund you as a political party or as an individual just because they like you, just mm. because you, Amir, you are better than our people. I really like your ideas. There is no such thing. Not not with business people, ruthless uh, fellows, those ones. Mm. They find you because <laughs> they see a potential to benefit. Be it, you may not know. Those are you know, yeah, yeah. You may not know about it, but they will remind you one day. And <laughs> when they remind you, you will know that you are wherever you are because of their contributions. So, really, maybe, I mean, I, I think the, the proposal that Chief Justice is making that maybe they, we have to find a way. I like that he said we can debate this, mm. uh, whether the state should really find ways to fund, you know, uh, people with political office ambitions. And maybe but they we, do. We have a meritocracy uh, type of, uh, you know, criterion. Mm. We, we can discuss this, but I, I really say private, as long as private... Uh, you know, business is involved in this. I really doubt that we will have a permanent solution. Want to finish it off? I, like I said, I agree even with the public, uh, with the Chief Justice. I'm saying increase the funding. Yeah. Give them more money, right? Yeah. That I, because already the state does pay political parties, right? Yeah. You need to give them more. But the reality that I'm saying is there's no way to monitor private business from giving money to political party or, or politicians. And the flip side that you're facing is people are just going to loot from the from the areas of the state that they are in control of yeah. to use to further their entrenchment in politics. Mm. So if you are the ACDP and you have a municipality in <laughs> Flacfontaine, <laughs> you will you will use that as your as your as your as your what is the word? As your um you know as your base mm-hmm. to then take as much as you can to then keep you in power in Flakfontein and, and extend and your power elsewhere. True. So that is what I'm concerned about. I'm, not, I'm, I'm concerned about that it's something that you can't fund. Now in America, you they they they've legalized corruption in the way that you have a <laughs> no you have a super pack. So the super pack is where you have you know people donate money to the super pack. It's allegedly anonymous, and then but the reality of it is if I want a dam. Mm. To be built, or, or, or I, my company to build the dam, I pay money into the super PAC. It's supposedly anonymous, and then effectively I come and collect from my gov- my 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 governor. You know mm. that's how it works. So it's so so that model is even worse to say mm. to say let's 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 create a framework to say mm. have these blind uh, super PAC situations because. It it never it doesn't work. Mm. So the the only way I mean for me uh, 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 like uh, dictatorship is looking very appealing. Before you close, the other question. You will come in. No, I'll forget this point. The other question, especially on this uh, party internal uh, contestations. For me, I mean, really. I would ask myself, why, 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 why do you need so much money to campaign within your political party? For 4,000 votes. You know, <laughs> why would you need, for instance, let's make, well, let's work with the numbers that are out there, much as we don't know the accuracy. Mm. Let's say 400 million, mm. uh, you know, as is the report. Yeah. Why, why would you need so much money uh, to convince your own comrades that they should believe in you and of vote course. for you? Mm. And you can't tell me that is just funding rallies and all of those things. No, come on. We have to be serious. 
and and those things if if we had maybe a model that uh, uh, the political your own political party when there's contestation there's openness everyone is given a fair and equal opportunity mm. but then again it's never the case because whoever is in charge at the time they would give advantage to their proxy mm. that they want to emerge but if we had a fair uh, you know uh, political system maybe it would be better if a party gives everyone who's capable who's uh, you know uh, of of being a leader mm. an equal opportunity to campaign within the party if say you want to go and address a Kedas Forum in the Eastern Cape, the party pays for you and all your mm. staff, then maybe we'd have a, a better situation. But still, I, I think uh, some of the figures are just, you know, extreme mm. in terms of why would you need so much money? I, I, I think a, a political party that would be an official opposition would do well with 400 million uh, to mm. campaign as a political party. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. There's more to this political funding thing, you know, even in terms of internal politics. We know in the ANC, it's a subtle debate of how votes are actually bought mm. in, in that people don't vote for people because they believe in their program, they believe in what they can do, but it's voting with your stomach. You are given something so that you vote for me, not necessarily because of my vision uh, for the country and the party, but because I've given you something. Mm. Hence, at times, these uh, amounts escalate to these extreme uh, amounts that cannot be explained. So I think there's also that debate, we should also take it to that level to say what what sort of criteria well, the NC has got this so-called eye of the needle, but I really <laughs> doubt they, they apply yeah. it most of the time. If you check the caliber of leaders that they've produced, especially after democracy, I, I doubt that that thing just exists in you know, uh, ideology, but know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't get applied. So I think we should also stretch the discussion to that to say, why? How, how, what sort of criteria do we use to elect our leaders? Why do they have to be funded if we have a criteria and anyone who fits perfectly into this criteria and they can convince me and you, then we vote on them on that basis. But because we live in such a system, <laughs> then we... Api, we finish it off for us. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you, you basically said uh, 80% of our... <laughs> 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 I, I agree with you. Uh, and the reason why money is being used is because ideas are not there. Yeah. They're dead. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a strong statement. In the ANC. Mm. Let's, let's not talk about other parties. It's just just mm. the ANC. Uh, these people, when they go and address you, they are not addressing you to convince you of their idea per se. They are, they are addressing you to show, to see how much has the money been able to, to bring numbers. So when they are actually addressing, they are not conscientizing their members, they're not giving them political education. It's just a show of force. Mm. That's it. So they spend so much money to buy a chairperson of a branch, to the secretary, secretary and to forge uh, the attendance register Rich. so yeah. that you have more delegates. And uh, it's just that maybe we should, maybe the ANC should be then uh, voted out of power. And then maybe we must be abused by another party, you know, maybe well, they have <laughs> a, a different system. So, yeah. Because this way, their leaders, because they are in power, they, they, they graduate from a branch level through this uh, this money shenanigans. Mm. Imagine the guy who's been funding you since we, back when you were just the secretary of the branch. Now you are the premier of Gauteng. Mm. They are going to come to collect. Exactly. Exactly. So m maybe we, we will need uh, another uh, bunch of uh, uh, crooks. But, yeah. the, but, the, but the, the, really the reality of it is that the, 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 what's, what's waiting for us on the other side is no intra-party democracy. So, mm. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah. that's all we have time for this week, guys. But listen, by no means are we 
experts on how to solve the political party funding debacle. But maybe you have some ideas. It would be great if you could interact with us on social media at hashtag STPoliticsWeekly. Tell us what you think. Um, can we solve this crisis in the political party funding system? And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it, retweet it, tell your friends about it. It's doing really well. And we'd love to get your support. Um, remember, if you do want to um, advertise on this platform, you can email us at smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za that's that's smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za guys thank you so much for joining me in studio we really appreciate it and have a good week we'll catch you again next week bye